title of the lesson this morning is Faith. Get the picture? I'll let you take a look at this introduction slide as uh, we begin this morning. Understanding faith is, is key to Christianity and what, what the Bible means about that when it talks about faith. And then we'll address this question a little bit. Are we saved by faith or are we saved by works? Because it always seems like that kind of question comes up. There's that kind of ongoing tension and so forth. But I want to uh, start this morning by sharing this illustration with you. Now, some of these illustrations I sometimes find someplace. Sometimes I make these up. So if it doesn't go over well, well, we'll scratch that one. We'll get a new one. (laughs) So here's the illustration. A Christian just living in your average neighborhood. One Saturday morning, up goes the garage door, it's the middle of the morning, and he comes out and he's got an easel, and he's got a big canvas, and he's got his brushes, and he's got his paints, and he's got his little stool, and he sits down on the driveway, and he's getting ready to paint. He looks over and he sees his neighbor, he says, hey neighbor, could you come over here and help me for a minute? So the neighbor comes over and he says, I'm getting ready to paint a picture of a person and a life of faith. And so that when I get done, I want everybody to be able to look at this and to understand what it's all about. He said, so this is what I was thinking. I'm going to paint just a person. And then I'm going to do one of those little word bubbles in front of his face. You know what I'm talking about where they put the little phrase in there? And he said, I'm going to put, I believe. And that's it. He's not doing anything. He's just saying, I believe. I want to know, what do you think? What's your opinion? And the neighbor says, he's not really interested in religion or Christianity or anything like that. And he says, I don't really have an opinion about those things. And so the Christian said, you don't? Well, it just so happens that just at that moment, there's a young lady that's out for her Saturday morning jog coming down the street. A rather attractive young lady. And so the Christian says to the neighbor, he goes, hey. And he kind of looks. And the neighbor kind of gives him a look like, really? Really? And then the Christian follows up. He goes, did you know that that big college football game is on today? And he says, yeah. And he goes, well, you know what? At the sports bar down the street, they've got this gigantic screen and that game is going to be on. How about if you and I go down there and we'll throw back a few and we'll catch the game? And the neighbor says, you can't do that. You're a Christian. And he said, I thought you didn't have an opinion. He said, now, could you help me with painting this picture? Most people have an opinion about what faith looks like, don't they? So I'm just going to ask you this morning, think along those lines for just a minute. And what's your image of a life of faith? Of a life being lived as a Christian. James chapter 2 and verse 14. James says, 
What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? So James says, I want to ask you a question. What's your image? Now I want to pause right there for just a moment. And I want us to all think about us for a second. Because James is writing to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. And this is the first century. And he's saying, hey, everybody out there, I want you to think about faith and what that looks like. What's the image you have? Because these people are scattered abroad. Now, as I was thinking about this lesson, I was thinking about us, I thought, you know what? It was seven years ago this month, 2013, that there was just a little group of us that was meeting in a conference room up here at the hotel. And here it is, seven years later, and look at all you folks. (laughs) And I got to thinking about that. Now think with me for a moment. We got people here from Platte City. We got people here from King City. We got people here that used to live up in Stanbury. We got people here that came all the way from Guatemala. We got people from California. We got people from Alabama. We've got some folks that didn't too come long ago come from Japan. We got folks here from Germany. You talk about the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. <laughs> they have ended up in Platte City. And I was thinking, you know, the UN's probably keeping an eye on us, you know? <laughs> but here's the point. What's your image when you think about faith? Because you know what James is saying? And you know what he's saying to us? And in chapter 2, as Jack pointed out this morning, he talks about their assembly. And so as we think about this assembly, I want you to think about it for a moment. What's your image? Because the way it is, we're going to be together for a little while. Some have said we may be here for a year. Some have said we may be here for two years. Some of us have been here for a while. (laughs) But while we're together, we have to think about what that image is. Because James is saying, we need to think about, how would you paint this? And the reason why that's important to think about that is because individually, we paint a life of faith. And collectively, we paint together. So what's the image when you think about faith? And what does that mean? look like so James begins by asking a question you're going to paint this picture and a person says that they have faith but they have no works what do you think about that faith can that faith save him and then he follows it up verse 15 if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them depart in peace be warm and filled But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit 
This all, this, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So James says, I want you to think about this. And as you paint this picture, let's say that you come across a brother or sister that is destitute. They don't even have sufficient clothes to protect them from the elements. And they don't have nutrition. They don't have food. Just a basic couple elements of life. They don't have it. And you see them and you say, Wish you well. Wish you peace. I got to go. <laughs> and he said, what, what good is that? He said, faith without works is dead. Now I want you to think about that for just a moment. Because as you paint, you start to put the pieces together. So he asked, first of all, about a person's faith, your faith, individual. If a person says they have faith, but they have no works, can that faith save them? And then the very next thing that he does is he transitions to another person. And he says, you see this person and they are in need, but you, your faith doesn't move you to do anything about it. You know what James just did? He talked about your faith, individual faith. And then he talked about another person and how your faith might affect that person. So you know what James is saying? God wants to touch your life and then through your life he wants to touch somebody else. Can you see that? So he says, faith without works is dead. It's not doing you any good. And it's not doing anybody else any good. Remember when Jack brought that up in class this morning about on these two hang all the law and the prophets? Love God and love who? Your neighbor as yourself. But it seems like right there is where the tension comes in. There's faith, and then there's the application, there's the works. So what we want to give consideration to for just a minute is because a lot of times people will talk about Paul and then maybe they'll talk about James and Martin Luther he didn't like talking about James and he said James was a weak or straw epistle and he wanted to focus more on Paul but what I'm going to say to you this morning is there's two writers there looking at the same subject from a little bit different perspective and helping us to see the picture that Scripture is putting forth about a life of faith. In Ephesians, the second chapter, in about verse 8, Paul says, For you have been saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, 
not of works, lest any man should boast. So Paul says you've been saved by grace through faith. Salvation is a gift. And you can't earn it. You can't do enough good works or keep the law perfectly so that God owes you heaven when this life is over. He said that is a gift of God. But then, in verse 10, Paul goes on to say that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we have Scripture saying that we're saved by faith and not by works. And then we have James saying, if you have faith and not works, it's dead, and he asked the question, can that faith save you? So sometimes what people do is they get a little bit confused. <laughs> you know, somebody says, if you want to clear something up, read the Bible. And some people say, you read the Bible, you're going to get confused. <laughs> and so they look at that, and sometimes they get a little confused, and they say, well, you know, I guess I'll just pick out the image I want. That's the picture I like, and that's the one I'll use. I've had people essentially say that to me. But James and Paul together help paint the picture so that we can understand what God is saying about a life, a life of faith. There's a uh, principle, a point in Bible interpretation that we sometimes emphasize, and that's context, 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 right? Number one principle in Bible interpretation. And you think about who's doing the writing, who they're writing to, what's the scenario setting behind it, and what's the purpose of that writing. So the Apostle Paul, and we don't have time to look at every passage from Ephesians, Galatians, Romans, and all, but I'll tell you generally, that when Paul talks about faith and being saved by faith, Generally speaking, he's making the point that trusting in God enough to trust Him for salvation. And if you do, then you do what he says. Because in Romans 3, he says, by the works of the law, no, no flesh is going to be justified. But in Galatians 2, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. So Paul's saying, I recognize what he has done for me. And so now, the life that I live, I live by faith. I've made him Lord because I recognize what he's done. So when Paul is saying that we're not saved by works, he's making reference to the law. And you're not going to keep the law perfectly and then somehow make God indebted to you. He said that doesn't work. 
So what God did by sending His Son, that's a gift. That's grace. And by faith, I accept that. But I want you to think for just a moment so that we understand what He's saying. There's only two kinds of people that have ever walked on the face of this earth. There's sinners, and then there's Jesus Christ. Guess which group we're in? (laughs) And we fall short. And we can't earn heaven. So God sent His Son, and there's been millions and billions of sinners, and then there's one that was perfect. And that one paid the price for all the others. Paul says we've been saved by grace through faith. Do you believe that? That's Paul. But then there's James. And whenever you read from James, you've got to keep a couple of things in mind. When James is talking about faith, yes, he is talking about mental assent. He's talking intellectually about accepting what God did for us through Jesus Christ. When James is talking about faith, yes, he's talking about the cross. And Jesus going to that cross, as as Edwin pointed out at the Lord's table for us this this morning. But what James is also saying is, That when you think about the fact that Christ died for you, all that He went through for you, and James says, you have faith, you believe that? But he's also asking the question, if you believe that, and it hasn't changed your life, (laughs) it's not a game changer for you? What kind of faith is that? So when James talks about faith, he's yes, he's talking about belief, he's talking about mental sin, but then he's talking about how that has an impact and makes a difference in your life. And so James is suggesting that that ought to be consistent with what you believe. And so he talks about intellectual and he talks about practical. Notice verse 18. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons also believe and tremble. So James said, I want to add this to your picture. I want to add this to your image. So in your picture, as you're painting this, you say, I believe, and and, and that's it. Well, James is saying, you you know who else does that? The demons do that. They believe and they tremble. So if we paint this picture the way you're painting this picture now, guess what? Here's you. And there's the demons. 
and you're in the same picture. Mark the first chapter about verse 24. A demon said to Jesus, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Same book, Mark the fifth chapter. You remember when Jesus addressed a man who lived in the caves? And he was always in torment, and even at times he had been chained but would break them? Remember when Jesus addressed him? And he said, What's your name? And he said, Legion, because we are many. And then he said to Jesus, What have I to do with you, Son of the Most High God? Don't torment me. That's the demons. I know who you are. And you're the Son of the Most High God. And James says, so far your picture (laughs) that you're painting, you say you believe. Well, the demons say they believed. And they tremble. You know actually what he's saying there is? The demons actually have a little more faith than you do. Because they confess him and they tremble at the thought of him. And you... You just say you have faith. But it's dead. You're not even up to demon faith yet. Congratulations. Maybe you need to keep painting. So verse 19 and 20. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Faith without works is dead. Some translations right there say it's useless. I believe that what James is doing is he's reverting back to where he started in verse 14. Because he first asks about the individual. And then he talks about the impact of seeing someone else and then just ignoring it. So now he's saying that kind of faith that you're talking about If you've got faith and it has no works, it's useless. It's useless to you and it's useless to anybody else. It's not doing any good. Verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? So James, what James is saying is, okay, you've got that intellectual aspect going and you're painting that, you believe, but now we need to add the practical aspect of that. And so now he brings up Abraham. And he says, don't you see how his faith together with his works was together and that's what completed it, that's what made it perfect? In other words, what James is saying, there's got to be evidence. There's got to be proof that faith is actually living inside of you. Because if there isn't, it's just dead. 
I'll give you another illustration. About 11 years ago, I had retired from General Motors, but over the years I had preached around various places and so forth. So this is an illustration of a friend of a friend, one of those types of things. <laughs> and so a friend I knew had a friend that owned a funeral home. Okay? And we were talking one day and he said, you know, this guy tells me that sometimes families come in and they're in need and so forth, but they don't really have any sort of kind of faith connection or religious connection. And he says, sometimes we need a preacher, <laughs> you know, to conduct the service. And I told him about you. So, to cut to the chase, <laughs> I was supposed to go talk to this fella. And it's local here, and I won't give you the name of the funeral home. I'm, this is not an advertisement. <laughs> so I go and sit down with him one morning, and we sit and we visit for a while, have a good conversation, and then after we talk for a while, and the reason why I did it, I'll just tell you right quick. There's an older preacher that I know back a number of years ago, and he said, I used to do that kind of thing sometimes. He said, because in those situations, sometimes families then are sensitive towards spiritual things, and you might get a chance to talk to them about salvation of their souls and so forth. So like I said, I was retired at the time, and I thought maybe I could do that. So we sat and visited, and after we finished visiting, he said, let me show you around. Around <laughs> the funeral home. <laughs> so we went out kind of in the auditorium there and looked around and so forth. And then he showed me various rooms where they have like family visitation and you know they conduct business and arrangements and all these kind of things. And then he said to me after that, Let me show you downstairs. <laughs> and I said, Downstairs? <laughs> So down we went, and we came to this door, and he pulls out his keys. I'm like, uh-oh. And we stepped inside, and he's very casual in his conversation. And he starts pointing around to like, what? This is what goes on over here, and this is what we do here, and this is equipment for this and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just kind of going, uh-huh. And I'm not really following him because something else has got my attention. <laughs> Two of them <laughs> on portable tables that are covered in sheets. And he strolls over to both of them and just kind of pulls down the sheet enough where you can see their face. And then he says their name, <laughs> both of them. And I didn't say, glad to meet you, you know. <laughs> but what you see is different. I see people every day, don't you? But when you see people like that, that's different. Someone once said, we are not bodies with souls. We are souls that have a body. And James will go on to say, 
that when the spirit leaves the body, it's dead. And I remember that occasion and essentially what James is saying and what we recognize in that. That body now is useless. It doesn't serve them any longer. And it doesn't serve anybody else. So that's the point that James has been making. That faith without works it's just dead. It's not doing you any good. It's not doing anybody else any good. It's just useless. So the point that James has been trying to make is you have belief that it should show in your life. And so when we think about James... There's two important qualities that you have to keep in mind. First of all, remember verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Now verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? So James says, wasn't Abraham justified by works? And then he brings up Abraham. And that recalls the story in Genesis, how God through Abraham had promised him a son and that through that son he was going to bless all nations of the earth. And he believed God, Genesis 15. But then in Genesis 22, what did God do? He asked Abraham to sacrifice that son. His only son. The son through whom he was going to bless all nations. He says, I want you to take him to the place that I will show you and to offer him as a sacrifice on the altar. And so how did, how did Abraham respond to that? Genesis 22 and verse 3, it says, Then Abraham rose early the next morning. So immediately, he's responding. No argument. He didn't try to run the other way like Jonah. No hesitation. He just rose early in the morning and he went. So what's James pointing out as you think about this image, this picture of, of faith? He's saying if you want to have the correct image, then when God says something, you need to respond to it. <laughs> and respond to it right away. And you know what? But sometimes people read that story in Genesis 22 and they say God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son well, that sounds a little crazy to me. Do you think people today, when they think about faith and when they think about Christianity, do you think they ever say, well, that sounds a little crazy to me. 
Genesis chapter 2, one man, one woman, for life. Today's society, that sounds a little crazy to me. Divorce for one cause? That sounds a little crazy to me. Separate myself from certain friends that are standing in the way of me being faithful to God. Me choose God over them. That sounds a little crazy to me. Abortion? You're saying no? Well, that sounds a little crazy to me. See, there's a lot of things that people may get to a point where they say, that just sounds crazy to me. This world and our society, more and more is seeing Christianity as a little crazy. Do you want to know what the number one religion that is being persecuted in the world today? Christianity. It's coming to this nation. We're seeing it. But it's a lot worse than a lot of other places. Because they think it's a little crazy. And we don't need that. So he talks about Abraham. And then in verse 25, he talks about Rahab. Because I'm sure in this day and time, as James wrote this, some might have been saying, oh yeah, Abraham. So you pick out the father of the faithful, <laughs> this sort of giant from the Old Testament, and you say, well, i got to measure up to him, and that's my image of faith. And so James says, well, okay, hang on. <laughs> Let's talk about Rahab then. Let's just run the entire spectrum. Let's just go the whole way. Then who's Rahab? Well, she was this prostitute. She wasn't even a Jew. This is from Joshua, the second chapter. And this is when Israel is getting ready to go into the land of Canaan. They're going to invade, so to speak. And so Joshua sends in spies... And the spies come to Jericho and they encounter who? They encounter Rahab. And you know what Rahab says to them? We've heard of you. We've heard of your God. And we've heard of what he did to the Egyptians. And we've heard what he did at the Red Sea. And we heard what he did to the king of Amorites. And when we heard those things, we trembled. What's that sound like? We believe in your God and we tremble at your God. But Rahab didn't stop there. You know what she did? She made a deal with those spies. And she was willing to hide those spies. But she said, I want you to save or spare me and my family when you come back. And they said, we'll do that. So you see what James just told us? Rahab believed. They trembled. She acted on that. You know what she just did? She just risked her life. Because you know what else it tells us in Joshua, the second chapter? 
that the king there in Jericho heard about these men who had come and he sent soldiers. And they're looking for them. What do you think they would have done to Rahab if they found out she was hiding them? But she hid them and sent them out another way. She risked her life for what she believed and the God that she feared. So James uses Abraham as one who submitted to God immediately. And he uses Rahab as one who was giving her life, risking it based on what she believed. So he runs the gambit with those two illustrations. Paul... Paul and James are not at odds. They're just two writers approaching the same subject from different perspectives. Verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That's the picture that James paints for us in James the second chapter. What James is saying is is that God calls us to a living faith. A faith that can be seen by the action that it brings and how it transforms our lives and how it touches other people through our lives. Any other kind of faith? James says, well, that's, that's just dead. You know, there's an old saying that goes like this. When it's all said and done... The real problem is there's more said than done. And that's what James is saying. The kind of faith that we need to see and to understand from the scriptures is is a faith that moves people. So he uses three illustrations. Someone needing food and clothing. Abraham offering his son. And then Rahab hiding his spies. And then he draws the conclusion in verse 26. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. That's the picture. That's the image that he wants us to have as we paint a life of faith. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If you're subject to that invitation, you've never rendered obedience under under the gospel of Jesus Christ, do you believe in him? And Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Will you obey him? And if you're a child of God, you need to make your life right with him this morning. We want to help as together we stand and as we sing.